0: Father, we praise You for Your great love shown to us in sending Your Son and Jesus in Your great love in dying on the cross for us. Help us to see the plan behind that, to understand Your plans for us as we go through our daily lives. Would You please fill us up with the Holy Spirit now as we look into Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Here we go. Are You willing and able you ever been asked that question before? You know what comes next, don't you? They're asking you for something. Are you willing and able? Both parts of that are important. Um, I could be very willing to do something but not able. Let's say that somebody asked me to help them move and, and maybe I just broke my wrist and say, oh, I'd love to be able to help, but sorry, I'm not going to be much use to you. I just broke my wrist. Or, um, it's oftentimes more the willing part that's the problem for us. Somebody asks you, can you move? Are you willing and able to help me move? And you might very well be able, and and it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes how how do we answer that question? We say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. When actually you can, you just aren't willing to do it. So both parts of that are important, being willing, and able and sometimes I even fall short even when I am willing and able uh, maybe I've mentioned this here before but uh, our, our laundry is on the lower level it often gets folded on the main level and then once it's folded it needs to go upstairs just carrying the laundry basket up Christine will say to me are you willing and able to carry the laundry basket upstairs and I say yes I am I am willing I am able and about a minute later I forget <laughs> so um, now when it comes to Jesus he is both willing and able to help us, and he never falls through on a promise. We're doing this sermon series in Matthew 8-9, through 9, in which we see Jesus doing a lot of miracles. That is, he's helping a lot of people. That's, that's one of the main points of those miracles. But we also see some really stuff, some important stuff in these two chapters about what Jesus wanted us to do in response to who he is. And we'll see both parts of that today. We'll see Jesus healing people, but we also get this important passage today about how Jesus asked people to follow him. Now, what's the point of following Jesus? Is it just that we would see cool stuff? No. Is it even just that we would hear good teachings? No, the point is that we would know Jesus, and that as we follow him, God would make us more like Jesus. So that's the point of this sermon series that we're doing, is that we want to spend time focusing on Jesus. And I pray that that's the the daily pattern of your lives, that as we spend time with Jesus, as we walk with him, God transforms us. You see this... uh, the background that we have up on our PowerPoint here, there's this path, and I, I just have this, this picture of that's the path that Jesus is going to go on, that's the path in which I should follow him, and as we follow him, God makes us more like Jesus. There are all, every single one of us has areas that, that need to change, that God needs to work on in us, and that happens as we follow Jesus. Following Jesus is such an important topic in the Gospels. I've counted 23 times that that Jesus told people to follow him. Why do you think Jesus said it so often? I think it's because he wanted people to follow him. Follow is a key word in the life of Jesus. It's a key word in the passage we're going to look at today. We all have priorities in life. We all make decisions every day about what we'll do. And really we're making decisions about what kind of person we're going to be. But do we make those decisions in light of what is eternally important? We're going to look at two short sections in Matthew 8 today. We'll see how Jesus was both willing and able to help. But what I want us to do as we look at these is I want us to look at our hearts. I want us to look at what what God wants to do in us to transform us to make us more like Jesus. Now, in my sermon today, I'm going to use the same three key concepts that I talked about last Sunday. I hope that's not just laziness on my part. I think what it is, is that these concepts just keep coming up. In fact, they'll keep coming up throughout this two month or so sermon series that we're going to be doing. Not that that's going to be my same three-point outline every Sunday, but it is today. So, we're going to start by reading our passage. Matthew 8, verses 14 through 22 When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So just like last Sunday, our first key concept today is compassion. In verses 14 to 16, we see that Jesus is very willing to heal people. And this is one of the things that we must know about God. He does see what's going on and He cares. Sometimes we, we forget that. Sometimes we have this idea of what we would like God to do in our lives, and if He doesn't do it, then we maybe assume that He doesn't care. But I, I don't think that's the case. You see, the point here is that Jesus did see the needs of the people and he was willing to help. In the case of Peter's mother-in-law in verse 14, he saw her fever, he touched her hand, and she was healed. And Many theologians have noted, and I think they're right to do this, how Jesus did this for a woman. That was something that might have been taboo in Jesus' day. But, but Jesus was very willing to go and give this healing to a woman. And then in verse 16 it talks about many who were brought to Jesus. There were people who were tormented by Jesus uh, by demons, excuse me, and there were people who were sick. It says he drove out the spirits and he healed all the sick. And I'm just amazed at that word all in there, that, that Jesus was willing again to heal all who came to him with their requests. So I, I just want to stop there again and remind you what we said last Sunday that Jesus had compassion on people. He saw their needs, and he cared. And it wasn't what we would just call spiritual needs. He didn't go to Peter's mother-in-law and say, stop whining about your fever and start serving me. No, he cared about her. He touched her. He healed her. God wanted people to serve him. That's what Jesus wanted as well. But he also saw their needs their real physical needs, and he wanted to help them. Now, as I said last Sunday as well, that's a great model for us. We should be compassionate people. So as we look at the life of Jesus and we want to become his followers, I want you to see these two chapters are filled with things that Jesus did. When he walked on this earth, he cared for people. Now he reigns in heaven, and we, the church, are the body of Christ. And we should go around with his compassion, caring for the needs of people. But how often do we see the needs of people and come up with some reason not to help? Maybe we rationalize it away. We say, well, I, I've helped all these other people or that person really doesn't deserve any more help. It's not exactly what I see Jesus doing in these chapters. I see him helping people and I want us to be compassionate people who help as well. At Cornerstone, one of our core values is service. We have six core values and one of them is service. We say that we care about helping people with their needs. Do we do it? Now, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody in particular here. I just want to ask every one of us, are we being the hands and feet of Jesus as we see the needs of people around us? Are we willing to meet them? Again, it's easy for us to come up with reasons not to. It can be easy for us when somebody says, are you willing and able, that we say, I can't, when really we just mean I won't. And I, I'm just asking you to take this before Jesus. He's, he's your judge, I'm not. And I just want us to consider how we can serve, how we can shine as, a, as light like Jesus did when he walked on this earth. Our second key concept today is authority. Now, again, it's the same as last Sunday. And what we see in Matthew 8 through 9 is a pattern. Jesus saw the needs and he had the power to help, he was both willing and able. His authority is seen in verse 15 where all he had to do was to touch the woman's hand and she was healed. And I like how it said in verse 16 when the demon possessed came to him, he just had to say a word. One word. Isn't that incredible? These demons who would have tremendous power to to torment us or to injure us if we were left to ourselves. Think of how, how powerless we would be in our own power against them. And all Jesus had to do was to come with a word. And they were driven out. And then again, in verse 16, it says that Jesus healed all the sick. He had the authority and the ability to heal them. So again, we should ask, this is one of the key questions in Matthew 8 and 9, what's the point of all these miracles? Why did Jesus do them? And we get a great answer in verse 17. I want to camp out on that one for a little bit, and I'll reread it here. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Here, Jesus quoted from Isaiah 53. Now, Isaiah 53, I mentioned this about a month ago when I preached on the resurrection, and I'll say it again. It's one of those Old Testament passages you should know. If, if you're starting to come up with a, even just a short list of Old Testament passages that, that you should know off the top of your head, I, I would even say that Isaiah 53 probably makes the top three. In there, we get, this, like I just mentioned, the story of the resurrection, but we also get this uh, amazing stuff about Jesus being able to heal, and, and it points us to something even greater, and that something greater happens uh, after what we see in verse 4. So, so follow along with me. Jesus is healing people. He quotes Isaiah 53, basically saying, this passage is fulfilled in your presence. What's that passage about? It's about the servant of God who would come and help his people. So part of the helping his people means that he would heal them from their infirmities and from their diseases. That's what verse 4 is about in Isaiah 53. But if you were to go to the next two verses, and I wanna, if you want to keep one finger in Matthew 8 and then turn to Isaiah 53 right now, again, Jesus quoted verse 4, but here's a, a good tip for studying the Bible. When the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, don't just read the verse Go back to the Old Testament and read the context of that verse. And you'll see the context of Isaiah 53. I'll read a few of the the passages here. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Transgressions and iniquities are, are just words for sin. Another one, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So in Isaiah 53, we're told that God's servant would take our penalty upon himself. And we now know that that happened through what Jesus did in his death and resurrection. So, why does Jesus refer to that passage then while he's healing people from their physical ailments? Well, I think you get it, right? And and if you don't get it yet, don't miss it. Jesus, I think, is doing these physical healings to show that he is willing and able to heal us from our greatest problem, our sin problem. I think that becomes the greatest point of these healings. Yes, there, there's one point in that Just Jesus simply cared for the people on the level of he wanted that fever to be gone, so he made it gone. But on a much more important level, I think Jesus is showing his authority to be able to cleanse us from sin. And I think that's why he quoted Isaiah 53. So do you know that? Do you know that Jesus is willing and able to forgive your sins? He showed his willingness, I think, in these physical healings that he did. He showed his compassion there. And then in his death and resurrection, he showed his ability. The fact that he came back from death shows us that he has power over the greatest problems in our world, the problems of sin and death and the devil. They are taken care of. And that means that any one of us who trusts in him can be completely forgiven. Now, now let me just stop there for a moment and... I can, I can just sense the question coming, like, well, what about me? What about my sickness? Or, or that sickness of my family member? Can't Jesus come and do that now? Well, yes, he can. He is able to do that. But at the same time, what kind of a world would it be if all that ever happened was Jesus kept on healing us from death and we just never died a physical death? That would delay the kingdom of God and that is not the will of God. So sometimes Jesus asks us, I I think, to look at this with with an eternal perspective and to recognize that eternal healing is available for all of us. And the person then who goes through their physical sickness recognizing that it may end in death but that God has conquered the greatest death, that is the person who can live in joy and peace trusting that God has rescued us fully from what stood against us. We have lived all our lives under the painful effects of the curse. We sang a song about that, though, how in in Jesus, the curse is removed. Now, we do have to endure it for a little while longer while we're still on this earth in this life. But Jesus has taken care of it. His death and his resurrection show to us his compassion and his authority. So, how should we respond to that? Well, let's move to our third key point today following Jesus by faith. Now, I added a few words to that last week. It was just faith. I added the follow part because that's where Jesus goes in this passage today. Now, here we should ask this question are we willing and able to follow Jesus? We saw the willingness of Jesus to heal. We saw the ability of Jesus to heal. Now we should ask ourselves the question, are we willing and able to follow Jesus? So let's look at this concept, um, following Jesus by faith, in these two stories that we just read from Matthew 8. First we look... I love this picture in verse 15. The woman was healed. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. And what does it say she did? Right away... She got up and began to wait on him. Now I love that picture. How did she know to get up and wait on Jesus? By the way, that word wait is the word for serve. How did she know to serve Jesus right away? Well, my guess, and it doesn't say this, but I'm guessing that she already knew Jesus as the mother-in-law of one of Jesus' disciples. She probably had already been introduced to him. It's possible even that uh, Jesus stayed at her house. The, The Gospels mentioned a group of women who would care for the needs of Jesus and his disciples in their ministry. It's possible that she was already serving Jesus. So when Jesus healed her, she just got back to what she was already doing. It's a great picture for us. We who have been rescued from sin and death, we should get up and serve him. So that's one picture of how this was supposed to work. Jesus showed his compassion and authority. She responded with service. So let's look at it a little bit more closely now at what we see in verses 18 through 22. That second story. In verse 18, it says that Jesus gave orders to cross to the other side. This wasn't a, hey, if you're not busy, you might consider coming with me sort of a thing. It was more like, I'm going that way, and if you're with me, you'll come with me. That, to me, helps frame the responses that we're going to see from these two men who came up to him. So we see these two men, and uh, one theologian called them potential disciples. So think about it. There were. Do you know that the word disciple in the Bible didn't always just mean the 12 disciples? Sometimes it means that. But there were also larger crowds that were following Jesus, and they could be called disciples, and some of those disciples would be considering whether they wanted to enter into a more committed relationship with Jesus. So I think that's what we see here with these two men who came up to Jesus. And again, Jesus gave orders that they would follow. Now, some theologians like to speculate as to whether these two men ended up following Jesus or not. It's pretty interesting to consider. But we're not told here. And therefore, it must not be important for our purposes to figure out whether or not they did. What's the important part then? It's for us to consider how we respond to Jesus by faith so let's, let's look at our hearts as we look at these two men the first one was a teacher in the, of the law from verse 19 he said that he would follow Jesus wherever he went and if, if that was true and if he meant it and if he did it that is a great picture of discipleship in fact it gets at the very heart of the gospel message because if we follow him what will we do we'll hear from him we'll learn from him we'll place our faith in him and as we do that what does God do in our hearts he transforms us, which is, again, that's the point of this sermon series, is that we would follow Jesus by faith and let God do His powerful work to change our hearts. So please stop right now and look at your heart. Will you go wherever Jesus leads? Now, Jesus' response to this man in verse 20 is interesting. He says to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So Jesus didn't say to this guy, Hey, that's great. Glad to have you aboard. No, he gave him a warning. He warned him basically by saying, If you follow me, you might not know where your bed's going to be tonight. Now, for me, this is a challenging one because I really enjoy a good bed. And let me tell you a story about this. Our family took a trip to Yellowstone this summer, and Christine and I had a very short conversation about whether we would get a campground or a hotel and here's how that conversation went Christine said, it'd be cheaper for us to get a campground and I said, I want a bed okay um, <laughs> do, we, do we have I'll just, I'll just keep going on this um, I'm going to raise my hand already do we have any other pillow snobs out there and by pillow snob I mean you travel with your own pillow you travel with two of your own pillows you travel with three of your own pillows that's me I do not trust anybody else's pillows, and if I, if I have room, and I make room, I travel with three of my own pillows. <laughs> so for Jesus to say to this guy, "Hey, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, I, I might hear that and be like, okay, second thoughts are coming through my mind. I, I'm not sure I want to go to the other side of the lake with you. Now let me say it this way. Following Jesus might very well mean that we give up things in life that we want. That is part and parcel of the gospel message because we were not headed on the right path on our own. There were all sorts of things that we said and thought that we wanted to do and those might not be the things that God wants us to do. So what do we do then? Do we follow Jesus? What's the other option? Walking away from Jesus? Now again, this might mean some discomfort for us. And an, an easy illustration would be missionaries. Missionaries have to consider whether they're going to leave their own culture, go to a different place, and, and go to places where they eat and drink weird things, and where the beds might not be as comfortable, and where family is far away. That's an easy way to think about it. But what about for all of us in daily life? Again, following Jesus might mean some discomfort for us, as we have this tug of war inside of us about the things that we want to do versus the things that Jesus wants for us. So which way will we go? What will it be for us? I hope we'll be ready to go wherever Jesus leads at a moment's notice. Then let's look at this second man who considered following Jesus. In verse 21 it says there was another disciple who came to him. And this disciple had something he wanted to do first. So Jesus... Um, eventually tells this man to follow him but before that Jesus said Lord first let me go and bury my father and, and Jesus then answered follow me and let the dead bury their own dead now I realize that sounds harsh so I want to address that first I want to address the way that this comes across does Jesus demand that we stop caring for our families in order to follow him in a word no so what's going on here Why did Jesus ask this man to leave his father behind? One possible explanation, I'm I'm guessing many of you have heard this, is that perhaps this man wasn't asking to go to his father's funeral. It, It could be culturally that he was asking to care for his elderly father before he died, in which case he could have been asking to delay his discipleship by perhaps a year. Now that might be what's going on, but I think that there's a better way to look at this. I think that Jesus was making a point about priorities and allegiances. There should be no other priorities before discipleship, not even our family. Now that's made clear by a couple other verses I want to show you right now. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus said, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Now let me explain what I think this means and doesn't mean. I don't think it means that we need to sell everything that we have and become just totally poor, not a penny to our name. Uh, What I do think it means is that when we come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and and as we live with him on a moment-by-moment basis, we should continually have this mindset that everything we have belongs to him. So that, yes, I, I have a house, I have a bank account, but really, that stuff belongs to God. And if God wants it, At a moment's notice, I pray that we'd all be willing to use that stuff however God wants us to. So really, we become stewards. And if the idea here is that that we're not the king of our own lives, we're really just servants of the one true king, then then everything that we have belongs to him. And as servants, we become stewards of whatever he gives back to us. So picture a person first coming to Christ, and they say, God, I give you everything, my whole life, my, my money, my possessions, I give it all to you. What might very well happen then is that God gives some of that stuff back to him and asks him to become a steward of it. And I, I think that's what it means for us to be disciples is that we constantly carry around with us this willingness to see everything that we have as belonging to God and for his purposes. But then one other verse, Matthew ten thirty-seven. Jesus said, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now again, I know that this can sound harsh. I know of one person who said, hey, I thought I was supposed to love my kids more than anyone else, and now you're telling me that I'm supposed to love Jesus more than anyone else? I know that I could get in trouble for saying that we should love Jesus more than our kids, but I'll say it anyways. We should love Jesus more than our kids, more than our family, more than our mother. Now, I'm not at all saying that we should use a verse like this as a club to neglect our family members. Do you remember Jesus interacted with some people who said that kind of a thing? There was a story about Jesus. He, he was talking with some Pharisees and teachers of the law, and they came up with this idea that if they gave their money to God, then they wouldn't have to use their money to care for their aging parents. It was called korban. That was the, the practice that they came up with. And Jesus would have none of that fake religiosity. Because if God calls you to care for your aging parents, then that's what you better do, even with your money. So, no, these verses aren't a club. These verses aren't telling us that we shouldn't love our mother or our father or our kids. If we follow Jesus first, God will guide us, He will show us how we can best love our family members. Following Jesus is to be priority number one. Everything else comes into focus as we follow Jesus. I think that's what's going on here. And all you have to do to to prove that point would just be to go back to verse 14. Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick. Peter was already following Jesus. And what happened? Jesus took care of her. I, I think that's the pattern. That's the difference between Peter in verse 14 and this other potential disciple in verses 21 and 22 following Jesus had already come first for Peter. And Jesus took care of his mother-in-law. This other man had his own ideas of what he should do first before he followed Jesus. And we don't know how that one went. It didn't tell us. I sure hope that that man didn't go the other way. I hope he followed Jesus. I hope we follow Jesus. See, Peter figured out that he was to honor his parents as he followed the Lord first. And that reminds me of Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Following Jesus comes first. And the point is that we would go where Jesus leads, wherever that is, whatever that means, even in regard to our families, trusting that Jesus can take care of them. It reminds me of a, a prayer request. And I, I was telling my brother this the other day that uh, I went to across the world for one summer on a missions project. And I remember being there and thinking all I really cared about is that my brother would be doing well spiritually. And it was that summer that I, I started to see some of the answers to those prayers that I'd been praying for him. And, and right now, my brother's walking with Jesus. And I'm not saying that that just automatically happens in every circumstance. I believe we have free will. Um, but I do know that our lives fall into place when following Jesus is number one. So will we go with Jesus, even if it means discomfort? Even if it means you don't get to have your nice cozy bed and your nice soft pillows, or your nice, as as Christine calls mine, paper-thin pillows. That's what I like. Even if you don't get your own way or get to follow your own plans, will you follow Jesus? So what is it for you? As you're one of those, hopefully you're not just a potential disciple, I hope you're a disciple, but but what is it that might get in the way for you, following Jesus? Is it your career? Is it your hobbies or your fun? We all have things that we like to do with our free time, and boy, isn't it amazing how much we can pursue those things? and if if only we put that much energy and effort into following Jesus or is it your family and again I know I could get in trouble for saying that Jesus should come ahead of your family but I'll get in trouble Jesus should come ahead of your family now again I think I think that I'll be a better husband and father and son as I follow Jesus because God himself will empower me to be the husband and father and son that I need to be Jesus should come, should come first. We need the right priority, the right allegiance. Jesus is Lord of all and we should follow him. The theologian Grant Osborne says, unless we show by the way we live our lives that Christ is first, we are not disciples. And for me, it all comes down to this tug of war that I first felt when I first remember, remember giving my life to Jesus. I remember thinking about the things that I wanted to do and recognizing that those might not be the things that Jesus wanted for me. So what do we do in that moment? Now for me, I I felt the pain of it, but I also knew I had to go where God leads. And I hope that's where your heart is at today. When we give our lives to Jesus, we should give up any pretense of being the Lord or the Master of our own lives. We give ourselves to him. We follow him. We trust that that's the best life for us, the one that will bring us the most joy and peace. You see, in this world, I think all too often, we want to live for what's fun or for what's good for me. But you know what? That's not the most important thing in this world. God will give us love and joy and peace as we follow him. I promise you, he will do that for you. So let's take a step back now and and let's look at this passage as a whole. I'm going to put these three key concepts back on the screen. The compassion of Jesus, his willingness to heal people. We saw that a couple of times here. The authority of Jesus. All he had to do was speak a word. All he had to do was touch the woman's hand. He's already died on the cross for us and risen again, so we we know that our sins can be forgiven. His compassion and his authority make a powerful team and it shows us the love of God and it shows us that we should follow Jesus by faith. And that's the crux of the matter for us today. Will we follow Jesus by faith? Even if it means we might have to give up some things we want, even if it means we have to give up our pillows, will we follow Jesus and let him be the number one priority? And one of the best ways we can ask that question, um, about ten years ago, my first sermon at Cornerstone when you guys are figuring out whether to hire me or not I, I gave a sermon and I called it um, number, it was number one versus number two Jesus should be number one in your life but think about what's number two for you so think about it? What is, it? is it your family is it your career is it your hobbies your pursuit of pleasure what is it for you that, that might sometimes fight for that number one spot in your life and I just want to urge you Take whatever that is and just lay it before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'll follow you. you. You give those desires to Him and see what He gives you back. See what He will allow you to be a steward of. And in, in regard to family, He will strengthen you to be the best family member that you can be. In regard to hobbies or fun, there, maybe there need to be some things that go. Maybe you hear from Jesus, you know what? That particular thing that you're doing so often, is getting in the way. And, and maybe you don't need to give it up completely, but maybe you need to just lay it before Jesus and say, what would you have me do with this? Whatever it is that's number two in your life, I just want to urge you to lay it before Jesus and commit again to following Jesus. He should be our number one priority. He is Lord of all, and we should follow Him by faith. Would you pray with me? God, we are grateful that that you lead us. Jesus, we thank you for coming to earth and saying 23 times, at least in the Gospels, follow me. We pray that we would heed that call today and that we would be disciples, that we would be those who know Christ Jesus as Lord and continue in him. God, would you do your wonderful work to root us and to build us up and to strengthen us in the faith. May we be people who keep following you with thankfulness trusting that you will lead us into what is good and right, that you will lead us into your will. And I pray that we would have joy in that as we follow you. Thank you, God. Please strengthen us to be the disciples you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.